Welcome, welcome to King Legend Talks, everybody. It is the one and only Omar Gooden, everyone. How you doing today, sir? Blessed and highly favored. How about yourself? I'm amazing. I can't complain. You know, today is 2-2-2-2-2-2. Two, 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 two. Did I say that right? Is today the 2-2-2-2-2? Two, 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 two? It's today. Okay, okay yeah. two is 2-2-2. Two, two, two. It's a lot of twos going on. Two, 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 two. It is all twos. Is that okay? It's a lot of twos going on. What that means? That means this live right here is about to be incredible. Yeah. This is only going to happen once. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's true. Ah, that's so crazy. it's amazing. So listen, everyone. I don't know if, like, if it's even possible to not even know who this guy is right here. This is Omar Gooding. Mm -hmm. Um, he's most known for his role in Smart Guy. Also, you might know him from Sweet Pea and the classic, the classic Baby Boy. Like you, you can't like. I feel like you lose your black card. I'm gonna just say it if you don't know what, what movie Baby Boy is. Like you, you're gonna get your black card like terminated or suspended at least if you don't know. Um, but anyway, we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna chop it up. You know, it's King Legend talks. Let's do it. So I'm gonna go ahead and address the elephant in the room because you can't avoid it. It's Let's go. Omar Gooding and and it's and it's Baby Boy. And you, you you can't. You can't avoid that conversation. I know yeah, you yeah, hear yeah. about it all the time. No, Every funny. time you have an interview, somebody wants to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So we can go ahead and dress ahead on. So I got a confession to make first. Talk to me. Okay, so my confession is the first time I ever seen you act in a movie, mm -hmm. it was Baby Boy. Okay. And um, I got to say, if I'm being completely honest, the way that you portrayed your character, mm. I didn't even see it possible for you to play any other type of role because you were so yeah. convincing in that role. That's how you know somebody is a great actor because they convince you, like they sell it to you. Like that is their, so the in their DNA. the first thing you saw me acting in as an actor was Baby Boy. Movie, yes. Oh, movie-wise, okay. But yes. you've seen the TV show. Yeah, so, okay. you know, Facts. I got to say at the time that I saw Baby Boy, that was my first actual film I seen you in on, on the movie screen. So gotcha. Gotcha. that that was something for me where it was like you sold it you did it and you executed per to perfection right so let's go ahead and talk about what was that process for you like so okay no 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 man you got me sitting on guard because i'm like i thought the, the question was gonna be something like have you shot a nigga before but no okay, okay. <laughs> i'm glad we, i'm glad we no nah, we're not gonna do that the first time and i was just for sure no no you've you been locked up no, um, we're not gonna do that. No, 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 man. That's dope, man. Um, um, it's 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 a cool little story. It's a bunch of stories, man. There's so much to talk about. Um, mm. you know, 45 years old. You know what I'm saying? I started when I was 12. Actually, I started when I was nine. Booked a couple gigs here and there. Webster, you know, I did a movie with um Bill Cosby called Ghost Dad. Um, mm -hmm. 12 years old, I landed a series called Wild and Crazy Kids. And you know, being a a a, a black child actor that can speak properly and enunciate his words helped me land that job because it had to be a kid that had a lot of energy but could also read a lot of lines and and you know we're describing these words these games again the yellow team blue team, you know? so, <laughs> right. so that helped me land that job and then three years later um i auditioned for a series called hang with mr cooper mm -hmm. and that ran for five years straight consecutive right and then one right. of the guys that one of the um, executive producers, brother by the name of Janny, a uh, man by the name of Janny Kalis, uh, Danny Kalis, started uh, a series called Smart Guy. And then that ran for another three years. And I look up and I'm 24 years old. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so incredible you know, childhood, by the way. Right. Incredible. Right. So you know, I'm blessed in that in that regard. Right. So I had done other things. You know, and let me just say this: it was difficult for black sitcom actors to be taken serious in the 90s you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying so we would go out for roles and stuff and, and and no matter how well we performed in the audition room it would be up to the um i wouldn't say as much investors it's more investor heavy now and you got to be like well, who's in the movie type of thing what's their name but right. um even the execs back then would say you know what do we know him from so if we bill him in this movie what are they gonna be like oh that guy from Wild Crazy Kids or that kid mm. from Cooper Smart uh, Next. You know what I mean? He's like, but he has a phenomenal taste. He did so good. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So get overlooked because of the sitcom, you know, old school vaudeville type of acting that we would do, even though we're yeah. like, you know what I mean? Wouldn't even let us in the room. But it's I almost like they wanted the room, to keep you on one lane. 
yeah, but once I got in the room, it was over with. You know what I mean? Right. So interesting, man. I, I, I auditioned for this movie called Freedom Song, right? Okay. It's about the first sit-ins in Mississippi, right? And mm -hmm. me, Jason Weaver was in it. Um, but Jason Weaver got cast, and a bunch of other cats that I, that I messed with for a long time got cast in the film. It was a TNT film. I did not get cast in the film, right? right. I'm sitting at home, whatever, whatever, whatever. I get a call. Yo, remember that, that movie that you auditioned for? Yeah, I know. Yeah, what well, we bringing up bullshit? Uh, well, guess what? One of the actors got into an altercation all set and left. And their phone still asked, like, can you come fill in and, and finish his job, right? And I'm right. like, explain the altercation. We explained it to our blue in the face. I can throw the nigga under the bus, but I actually love him. So I'm not going to throw him under. Thank you, brother. Because what happened was, I came to fill in, and it's kind of funny. Oh, Danielle Jalei, what's up, mama? I should jump in there. Um, anyway, we'll get to her in a minute. Uh, 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 once I filled in for this man, and I had a, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge role. It's called, once again, it's called Freedom Song on TNT. Mm -hmm. And I was one of the kids that um, sat in, did the sit-ins at the lunch counter, hoping wow. to get arrested during, you know, you feel me? So mm -hmm. I didn't get, it wasn't a very big role. But uh, flash forward years and years and years later, I'm 24 years old. I just finished Smart Guy. Uh, you know, the whole run of Smart Guy. Three, three years, three seasons, 75. We get about 75 episodes. We did 25 episode blocks back then. Right. And uh, I get a phone call from John Singleton. And John Singleton says, uh, you know, I called your mom, man, and I told her, I said, I made your oldest son a movie star, and I'd like to do the same thing for her youngest son. I was like, oh, well, go ahead. I'm listening. You know? That's dope. Like who? First of all, who gets phone calls like that? I'm just saying. John Singleton, John Singleton called your bro. mother and told her that she wanted to make her youngest son a star, a movie star, a Be movie specific. star, uh, just like he did with my oldest, uh, with her oldest son. Because like amazing. I know the TV and all that, but I want to break him into movies, right? right. So, so I, I, you know, he sends me the script. He tells me to go to the gym. You know what I mean? I see in about about uh three months. You know what I'm saying? And back at 24, you can use you you can lose about 30 pounds in three months, like it ain't nothing. I can do that shit in the weekend when you're 24. You know what I mean? Right. I shaved my head bald and showed up, whatever. But I need your workout plan. Right. <laughs> but I mean, when I was 20, as a youngster, yeah, you know, it was nothing. It was like just do push-ups, drink some water, and you just just the right. But anyway, so I get there and uh, you know, I had to sidebar him like, bro, I read this script, like, yo, how the hell did you see me for this? And he said he saw me in a movie called Freedom Song. I was like, What? Mm -hmm. I've been there for that long. But he's like, wow. on your face. And I'm like, and you saw Sweet Pea from Baby Boy off of those two Right. And Freedom Song, you feel me? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then the process of the, the movie was interesting. Like, like I said, you, you asked the question. I'm going to give it to you. Um, it's, a bunch of, it's a bunch of different things that happened. So I showed up, um, and we, do, we did a table read. And then we started doing rehearsals at his office at Lemur Park. And mm -hmm. everybody was there that was in the movie, except for Snoop. Snoop was about the only one I didn't see until we got on set. But Vin Rains, Tyrese, Taraji, and Angel, and all these motherfuckers. That was an amazing cast. And the first day or two of rehearsal, I was just, you know, kind of cocky about it and whatever, whatever. And then finally, in the rehearsal, John Singleton looks around the room and says, all right, we'll see you tomorrow for more rehearsals. And he looks me dead in my eyes in front of everybody and says, some of us need to step it up. All Ooh. right, I'll see y'all tomorrow. I was like, what the That fuck? was a shot. Wow. That was a shot right at you. Bazooka, like now I said, all right, right. So I come back to set the next day, bro, and I'm fired up, fired up. So we do improvs, you know, people, that, my thespians, actors, y'all know what it is. And uh, there's different exercises that we do, and it's like staying character and this and that and the third. Uh, long story short, I wind up getting into it with people. I'm so fired up, I'm jumping. I'm, I get on Bing Rains, me and him tussling and wrestling and going right. on so forth and so on. I've told this story a bunch of times, so I'm gonna just get to the part where, at the end of it all. People were like, yo, like, did you take some lessons? It was fired up today. Like, right. well, kind of called me out, right? And then John was like, you know, even Bing was like, yeah, nigga, you, <laughs> well, what happened overnight? You know, and I was like, you know, anyway. So John was like, look, man, you you almost there. You almost there. You just, you got to learn to internalize all that. You know, mm -hmm. you got to look. But all that yelling and screaming, that ain't what thugs do. They ain't the real ones don't do that. You know what right. I mean? That was your idea of what a thug was. Yeah, I'm just like, well, what? I know what I get, man. I get loud as hell. And they're like, calm Nash down. <laughs> you ain't never yeah. been to prison. That's why you doing all that yelling. Calm right. your little ass down. And I was like, all right. But then, you know, OG Big Cat from 6 Crypt, he took me to his hood. Like, like you know, I grew up affiliating. Cassidy grew up from Compton and this and that. And I've been to Crenshaw, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what I mean? But I grew up 
Um, I grew up in LA, you know what I mean? But like, there's right. LA and then there's the San Fernando Valley. You know, I'm what they call Valley nigga, as they say. <laughs> I got Valley. you. I got like, you. Like, right, you know. So but, I'm not from I'm not from LA. So when you say the valley, it's like the suburbs, like versus like you know what I mean, right? Like, but, okay. But, but shit is happening out there. But right, still, just like, not on that level yeah, like it is in the hood, hood. So we would go you. to the hood, hood like that, like on the weekends and hang out and that type of thing. But right. you know, the the thing about somebody's hood is you go if you're from there. If you ain't from there, you better be with somebody that's from there. You oh, out of bounds, you get caught up. So yeah. I went where I was invited. You know, I'm being Watts. And they be like, oh, shit, he really, he a real when he out here in Watts. Yeah, from my nigga from Watts. He grew up right there. <laughs> That's right. why we are out here. Like, you know, I don't go by myself. But yeah. anyway, so 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 Cat took me around, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, he just, he just like, he's like, just pay attention. Like, look around. Look how niggas is acting. Look how people look. Look at that look in their face. That's what you got to, like, relax. Like, that's what you, all that, ah, shut that shit up, bro. Like, that's not it. You feel me? Right. So, couple hanging out with him a little bit and then some things that I went through in my past, you know what I mean? And just like being out in the streets, like believe it, I tell you, oh man, I've been acting since I was 12. Oh, you just a little rich nigga from 12. Uh, that, I mean, I know that job. You know I know that I mean? had to be uncomfortable for you though, going out into the hood because I look at, I look at it from a perspective of, you know, a real street dude. Mm -hmm. He looking at you like, what you doing here? Like you yeah. out of place right now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I, so, now, now I can imagine if I'm like, you know, I met some female, she live in the hood, and I go fuck with her, and I show up by myself. That's a problem. Right. You know what I mean? You got that thing yeah. on your whatever, nigga. That's a problem. You know what I mean? Right. But if you're going with the reputable, you're going with the dude that's his, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I can yeah. go look for, hey, that, that dude from, yeah, he with me, though. Oh, okay, cool, OG, I got you. You, you know what I mean? You had so a pass. So it was never, you know, all right, head up, hey, you and you, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny, too. One thing I'll never forget, OG said, look, we going to go out. But when we go out, some shit go down, don't you be no weenie, nigga. You better get. I don't fuck about this acting, none of that. I know you that better, had you fired you up. Get down, boy! I was so fired up. I it was fucked. Up. Luckily, nothing never really popped off. But I was looking for shit. Uh oh. You know what I mean? You ever been with a female and she said <laughs> something that makes her like, yeah, well, nigga, it's not like you gonna fight or nothing. And you be like, oh hell no, I can't wait to knock a nigga out. Like I'm looking for shit. Like I'm right. not wait to prove. <laughs> You know what I mean? Just as a man, like y'all be watching TV too much. Like y'all think I'm soft. Yeah, because you know yeah. if I'm playing dumb, now you think I'm dumb. Yeah, you know, I play right. the part of the nigga that's stupid as hell or the, the nice guy or whatever. Oh, he must be a nice guy. Ah, damn, you're gonna learn. You know what I mean? But anyway, yeah. but this is a young dude that you know and it got me in situations that God got me out of him. You know, God is good. Absolutely. So anyway, after hanging with him and kind of doing that, and then you know, being with real ones and then bringing my dudes on set and type of thing, I was so comfortable that it wound up being an easy shoot. You know what I mean? Okay. But I kept myself. Now the things, the other problems that occurred were people that work together like to develop camaraderie. They want to bond. You mm -hmm. know, and I just wasn't with that shit. I, you know, I met the girl that played my my girlfriend in it. Actually, became my girlfriend in the movie in real life. They said cut. We kept going because oh. we were developing a bond. But that was it. I was trying right. to be friends with Tyrese and go to his house. I was trying, trying to, to be like, friends with everybody. You go see me over here or come to the, my, my, you know, my spot. We got a bunch of niggas in the house. We can hang out, chill, and act like homies. He I know Tyrese had to be ticked off a little bit about that. Hell though. yeah, he was, he was pissed. We, we squared off about it, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it was like, well, you do your job, I'll do mine. I bet that, you know what I mean? Right. And that created a little bit of a rift. And then with the other cast members, too. They was just like, damn, Gomar coming to dinner when it's not. He going home with his girl. He, go, he got his boys he know, and that's that, you know? Yeah. Because you know, some people I, might look at that like his ego, though. You know, they might feel maybe, some type of way. Maybe. If so, so be it. But, I mean, that. Right. But uh, you know, now, again, that was 24. I'm 45. At right. 24, I didn't care what people thought, you know? And that yeah. would put me on the little island, and people like, yeah, not as difficult, but mm. just like, I'm not sitting here worried about but You know, people like, oh, man, you did this movie with such and such, and this show with such and such. Y'all hang out all the time? I'm like, no. Right. Why? Well, think about it. If I go out somewhere and I'm a, I'm a, I'm just like a, a people person. I don't give a damn. I'm not. Hey, you want a selfie? Hell yeah. You want an autograph? Of course, nigga. I'm happy you want a picture with me. You know right. what I mean? So I engage with folks. Mm -hmm. Now, if something happens and somebody says something dumb, like you look just like radio, nigga. Okay, that's a real problem that may happen right now. You know what uh -huh. I mean? Who got my back? Uh, the nigga I did a TV show with. Oh, the, the, right. Like, no. Oh, I need somebody. Real so to you trust who you trust? Like you, you feel me? And yeah. that's just how I operate. Now okay. I've learned to be able to look, people just want to get to know you. They want to know who they working with for years and years or even just a few months. So 
Take right. the shield down and hang out. Don't just say it's a wrap, run off to your car and go home. Don't just speed out of there. This is for people that's up and coming. They keep asking me for advice. Learn right. to socialize without doing too much. You know when it's finna get bad. When they start passing around that plate and then bottles and them things, you know, oh, it's about to turn up. All right, that's yeah. I think everybody can feel when that vibe and that energy. You is know when that vibe is. You know when it's time to exit. Right? And then normally oh, some of the people that will stay to his room with him and we were just going to change and come back down. But you know not to go up the room. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And dude is the same thing. You know what you can and cannot do or what you're willing to do and will not do. And you know when it's finna get crazy. Just make that exit. But right. you still show up to the function and meet and greet and take some pictures and then get your ass out of there. Unless you win it. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? So it, 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 it took me a while. To really open up and be like, oh yeah, let's hang out, let's do whatever. It is. Oh, what y'all want to do? I ain't in a rush, you know. Right. You coming home? I'll be home when I get there. I gotta finish. I gotta hang with my, you know. I gotta, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was evolution, but that that baby boy, that set, that's kind of where I figured that thing out, you know. Later yeah, on, like, I can oh, only imagine. Like, oh, that's with him, but you know, just one like that. Like with now, with smart guy was different. Me and yeah. um, Jay, we think of Steve Steele, you know what I mean? <laughs> but not me and Todd's because he was you know ten years old at the time or whatever it was like. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, by the time he would hang out the way I like to hang out, you know, I moved on to something, you know what I'm saying? But like JJ, we stick as the essence, cool as hell, like, you know what I mean? So, right. So being on that, on that set, you know, I feel like in every film, whenever people are shooting a, a movie, there's always those moments where the cast can really just have a good time, have fun. And it's some, uh, you know, funny moments that happen for you. Can you name or think of a funny moment that took place when you were shooting the film, uh, Baby Boy? Wow, that joke was classic, man. So there's so many things. Um, most of them I kind of breeze through. I didn't feel like telling the same story <laughs> that I've told oh. in interviews. Um, but while we were filming, I mean, it, it, it's so much, man. But but the, there's a lot of interesting tidbits about the film itself. Like people will tell me things like, yo, man, I know you. People that know me say, did you write that part or that Unstable Creatures? That was you, huh? Or that prayer. Right. That was your prayer, wasn't it? Like, look, bro. John Singleton was a true writer-director. True writer-director. Mm -hmm. Some guys write the script and then go, feel free to embellish. No, no, no. <laughs> John will do an embellishment. Not happening. That two or three weeks that we had of rehearsing, that mm -hmm. was when you can embellish, right? We're doing improvs. And I told you, I was, well, he looked me in my eye and said, nigga, you step it up. So I was fired up. I was making up shit. I remember last week, we went over, you owe me money from that still. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You know, so I remember at the end of the day, he was like, try to stick to the script more when you improv. But I, I mean, I feel, I love your energy, <laughs> you know. Right. But when we got down, you know, everything, th th this is the fun fact, the point that I was going to get to is some of the favorite scenes that I hear about is like the prayer, right? Mm -hmm. We finished filming the movie and then showed, uh, you know, we did some, some. Um, we showed it to a couple different audiences, right? Arm, I should have turned. Okay. Uh, and asked for their feedback, right? What everybody kept saying was one, why were we killing Snoop so gruesome over nothing? Now, what I mean by that is we happened to do reshoots after we showed it to the people. Mm -hmm. Now, the reshoots included us, A, killing Snoop in a less gruesome fashion. So the way you see it, either BET or uncut, the way we shot him up, blah, 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 that was redone because the first time was just crazy as hell. Wow. And then second was the reasoning behind it. All he had did is come back home and move in with his girl and we went and shot him up. <laughs> yeah. But, added to the movie on reshoots was the prayer scene and the drive-by scene two of the biggest <laughs> parts of the movie now that definitely really? changes the perspective of the it. whole yeah. joint so like we said well we got to figure a reason i mean not me i can sit there with it he figured it out john said hmm i know an idea we're gonna have mm -hmm. him come over and talk about what he should do we say no that we'll go out, sit outside on the porch Snoop gonna pull up drive by shoot us up we think he's dead. He do that whole thing. All oh, those favorite parts of the movie he added later to it. So, you know. That's it's amazing. Fun fact. It's crazy, right? That's amazing. You know, when I watch the movie, uh, the scene that always bugs at me mm. uh, the most mm. is when the young thugs was lined up in that straight line. Mm. And, you know, you and Jody was mm. doing your thing. You trying to show Jody how it's done. Yeah. But what really got me was the belt, you know, that that part. So I'm glad that you said this stuff because this will help spark my memory on the things that happen. It's been it's been a long, beautiful life, man. But I gotta I gotta tap into it. So there's a couple things about that. For one, that was one of the scenes that that touched near and dear to my heart when I read the script. 
because I was in a situation with a partner of mine, like my ace, dude I looked up to. And it was right. it was him, myself, and one other person at a function. And we were we weren't jumped in that regard, but yeah, because I didn't get touched. But in the sense of they walked up, where you from and all that. And mm -hmm. he squared up, circled like, are you behind me? It's my dude, let's go. And they started to, it was pumped. It, and the funny is, they was younger than us. They was oh, wow. little niggas, right? Yeah. So we get surrounded in the club. We got caught slipping because it was close to the house that we lived in. So we just, mm -hmm. our nigga had on house shoes. I just wanted some sandal, whatever the hell. We thought it was a little barbecue, bunch of little girls and shit. We get over there and this a bunch of niggas just come out of nowhere. You know, even though they was younger, they was like, but you little niggas, I wish y'all niggas would, right? Right. You know, but they wouldn't do shit. They start throwing shit. So we it separated us. And mm -hmm. when we got separated, you know, I remember they threw a bottle at me and I ducked. I ducked. It 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 was a good throw. Like it should have hit me. But luckily I was nimble. I, <laughs> I was flexible then. So right. I dropped so low that when I got up, I remember hearing the shit shatter. And then they also went, ooh, ooh. And I'm like, what the fuck are they going about? And I looked over, and my nigga was laid the fuck out. And I don't know if he wow. was stabbed, shot, or what the fuck, but he wasn't moving. I thought he was dead. So then wow. I rushed over to him, and they're like, I said, some little niggas. They're like, oh shit, all excited. We got him. And they ran all the fuck out. And I'm holding him, and the blood all on my hand, back of his head's leaking. And you know, it was a fucked up moment. But also, I knew, you know, I had peoples and this and that and all that, blah, 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 yada, yada. Right. There was never any closure for me for that event at the time. You mm -hmm. know, shit happened. God took care of it. One dude ain't with that. Half the dudes is gone, gone. Like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? But not uh, from me. Right. It was just, it was one of those, we all like, what we gonna do? What we gonna do? Well, we gonna see if my nigga make it for one. You right. know, he was out, we was like, ooh, and he wasn't the type of dude when he come to, it's gonna be whoo. But since mm -hmm. he had split his head open, he came back, he woke up like, what happened? We were like, mm, that's probably a blessing. <laughs> but right. we explained him what happened and we still wait for that retaliation type of thing or whatever we gonna do. And I know I got a career and I got da 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 da. But mm -hmm. God took care. They like, well. I mean, let me let you know this shit is done with. But took care of it in his own way. But for me, I still felt like I didn't get any closure. I didn't get to retaliate. He didn't mm -hmm. knock him out. I started swinging on niggas. No, no, no. I was like, oh shit. I, it shit slowed down. Right. You know what I mean? So from that incident to the time I got the script for Baby Boy, it had to be probably about a year or so. You know what I mean? So then when I saw the script and I'm like, what? Some little niggas? Like, there's a whole lot of real shit behind them eyes when I'm standing there and you I see, see. Close up and I'm looking around in the park and all that just fuck all that shit. Stand them little niggas up. All that right. shit was authentic because it was a release for me mm. of some so that shit was that I your closure. I could have. Huh? So that was your closure. What that happened when you were that filming? That's God said. Well, at least you can release this shit in a classic way without having to go to jail by trying to retaliate, ride around looking for niggas and all that dumb shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And he like, I got this shit here. You just hold on to that and use it where so, you need some action so, shit, right? So that's half the story. Then the other part of it that's so funny is, and uh, I'm gonna just tell, I'm gonna just throw his ass under the bus because it is what it is. The little nigga that I was whipping in the story, when we were doing work in the movie, when we did the rehearsals, I pulled off my actual belt, but I made sure to swing as wide as I could because you know I'm not trying to really hit him. We actors, yeah. But uh, <laughs> after we blocked it, what we block is when you go through you know, uh, uh, the movements and the actions, and then you go get dressed, and then we come filming for real. So while mm -hmm. we were in our trailer going to get dressed, I had to knock on my trailer, open it up, and it's a dude in the scene with me today, and he goes, hey, OG, um, look, man, is there any way you can not hit me with the belt? Because you done tore my legs up <laughs> both sides. I was like, oh, shit, I'm sorry, Lola. I don't know, I really hit you. Right. So they went out and got a fake belt. Mm -hmm. It was a foam styrofoam belt that looked just like the belt I was wearing, so that in the scene, I could just go ahead and freely tear his ass up. But it was a, it was a fake belt. That's incredible. Cause I was about to say, I can only imagine if you had all that build up and you, you didn't get that closer, how it really was. He got all that going. built up uh, in rehearsal ass whooping. He got a whole, <laughs> he got a whole rehearsal worth of ass whooping. I'm sorry. I said to my G's watching now, I'm sorry, G. I didn't try to hit you with the belt. I saw little niggas from somewhere he was else. like, hold on, wait a minute. I might have to rethink my career after this. <laughs> this guy is beating me up. For real. Like, if you don't let me go, where's my agent? Is this sad? No. That's something. So, you know, um, what I like to say is your family is no stranger to fame. You know, sure. uh, your father, Cuba Gooding Sr., was one of the lead singers in the uh, the, the main ingredient yes, sir. and played a huge part in the classic, you know, uh, title, Everyone Plays the Fuel, the Fool, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. 
Mm-hmm. Which actually hit number two on the billboards on the R&B charts in 1972. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Then we got to talk about your brother. Uh-huh. An Oscar. Just, just a little Oscar. Yeah, just a little Oscar. How does that feel to be in a family where fame is part of living? You know, um, oh, well said, well said. Good question, too. Because, you know, I get people that ask like this, well, how does it feel to be an actor? How does it feel to be blah, blah, blah? And my answer is always the same, but I'm going to try to answer it a little different to give you a little better perspective. Um, mm-hmm. It feels normal to me. That's my normal. You know, as I raise kids and as my brother raised his children, you know, as they grew up, I was like, hey, how's it at school? What's in that? Oh, what do you mean? How is it? This isn't everybody's dad an actor? Isn't right. this the norm? This isn't it. I don't shelter. I was never shelter. Oh, don't go over there. You're come over. You know, right. my mom was very conscious of it. She was beautiful. She's always like, yeah, I, I, you a star. You don't go do that. <laughs> no, honey, you don't do mm-mm, this different. I remember right. we were filming a movie, uh, this this TV show called Royal Family. Lorenz Tate, Fox, and um, oh, so many people were in it. Let's go. Back mm-hmm. in the day, look at it. Um, and I was like, I had a reoccurring role. I remember it was a live studio audience. And my mom mm-hmm. always said, make sure you stay where you're supposed to stay. Don't just be wandering off now because there's a live studio audience. And I'm like, okay, there's real people. Are we all humans? He's like, all right, you do what you got to do. And I was like, cool. <laughs> On a break, I went to go to the bathroom. And I went right. past the bathroom that I decided to use was near the audience. And they were leaving. They were letting the audience out. And right. the little girl, she was probably the same age as me, saw mm-hmm. me oh my God, you're on the show, and jumped on my neck, right? And I was like, ah, yeah, that's me. Oh God, she was so incensed and crazed that I couldn't break her grip. She was just wow. like, I didn't see it, I didn't see it. I was like, wait a minute, hell. <laughs> Did you? I'm probably 13, 14, whatever, years old, but I was just like, wait a minute. I, I've never experienced someone, unless I'm fighting them, with mm-hmm. that much strength on happiness you know what i mean and right I, and i remember never forget the look in her eye oh my god and i was just like somebody get this girl on. and they had to come run grab her. go on miss you ain't supposed to go and i was like jesus i was right. scratched all around my niggas i remember trying, kind of slowly turn around look at my mom she made that mm-hmm. was I was there ever a moment where you realized that uh maybe i'm i'm too well known at this point or did people just kind of already know you people that knew you were just comfortable around you so it wasn't really nothing crazy as in fame so like when you were growing up when did you realize that my family is a little bit i see let me stick to your question so yeah i I ramble thanks for bringing me back um no no and that goes to 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 my point about that story you know i'm already like you know 14 15 years old i would go to my father's shows and it was just amazing to watch him perform on stage and all these people behind thousands of people screaming and oh he's singing a note i'm backstage with the laminated passes watching him sing the rehearsals and the and the dressing rooms and the famous oh that's the oj you know all that shit. but it just was normal to me mm-hmm. it wasn't like man i'm different this is amazing thank you god you know i always thank you you know thank you for the experience but it was just normal to me you know right it wasn't like oh when your brother won the oscar that changed everything for y'all yeah it did mm-hmm. yes it did it did in a positive way now we were both actors at the time i mean we still are but you know what i mean so people are like oh the pressure's on for you and i was like oh that's not how oscars work with black folk at least not back then when right. you got an oscar we got an oscar not it was a family it was a family award family. us the right. culture got an oscar they weren't handing out, but you can still count on one or two hands how many Oscars have gone to African Americans. When he true. got it, was like, hell yeah. I didn't even think he was my brother. I was just like, they gave it to a nigga. That's how I <laughs> felt when he got, did he beat? The y'all, it's funny is that a lot of people get, uh, you know, there's, there's, people get snubbed in Oscars. Sometimes it's, you know, this, the guy that deserves it gets it sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. they, you know what I mean? That year, right. Ed Norton did a movie that was so fucking phenomenal. When I watched the movie, I said, oh, he ain't winning that. Bro, I'm sorry, bro. You ain't, they ain't giving it to this one. This cat was so good in this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. He played like a schizophrenic and, and he snaps at the end. and play, Oh, he, he did a phenomenal job. He got he got snubbed because my brother, who did deserve the Oscar. And, when, and it's funny, I remember two times. I remember being at the premiere, watching it, going, not bad. And then being at home, watching it again and going, damn, that shit was dope. Right. So... 
so so he definitely deserved it. It was a it was a beautiful uh, movie, but I wasn't just I didn't think it was just gonna be a gimme. You know, I was honestly I was like, yeah. no way in hell. So I remember when the camera showed up to my house and said, We want to film your perform your your reaction when your brother when they announce who wins the Oscar. And I'm like, Word? Y'all just gonna show up because if you don't win, it's gonna be hard getting out of here with all that equipment. No, 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 no. <laughs> Come on in. But you know what I mean? We got the whole right. thing. like knock it off. You know what I mean? So they're like, we just have a hunch. I'm like, yeah, all right. And all I remember was, and the Oscar goes to cute. You know what I mean? And it kind of went black. It was just a blur. I was just like, they, I can't believe he won. Um, but it was a plus for me. Now, mm -hmm. when I go into auditions and when I meet with producers and this and that, it wasn't a given that we were brothers because my last name isn't Junior for some reason, for, even though that's a common mistake that I swear to you happened the other day. I was on live. And I do want to do a quick interview with me. And I'm like, live, y'all going to be watching me while we do this interview? Yeah. And he was like, yo, I'm here with the one and only, the legendary Omar Gooding Jr. I said, stop. Oh, my goodness. I was like, move on, move on, move your ass on. Anyway, you see this shit still That's happening? so embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. It's embarrassing both ways, bro. I mean, yeah. you know, like, you're here to walk off. I was just like, how are people? And I kind of get it. Like, okay, this is, I don't know, Sammy Davis Jr. And his brother's name is Thomas. So that's Tommy Davis Jr. Like, no, that's just not how it goes, people. You got to think it clearly. But, you know, anyway, so it yeah. happens. But Anyway, so it's not just common knowledge that we're brothers. A lot of people, I post something now, but me and my brother, like, oh shit, yeah, good and dumb, right? Yeah. But I would go into auditions room and audition rooms, and you know, the people looking, they go, Omar Gooding, good to meet you. Hmm. Any relation? And I go, <laughs> yeah, that's my brother. They go, oh my god, I love him, I love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. So how does that feel today? though? How does that uh, feel? Do you ever feel like you're walking in the shadow, or you're excited? Like that's, that's cool. what I'm trying to say. It was yeah. never. It's never been a negative until he started going on TMZ too much. It has never <laughs> been a bad thing, my brother, to be a brother of an Oscar winner. Even right. as an actor. You feel me? So it was always an icebreaker. It was always because, I guess, and I, this is probably the first time I'm saying this, probably because I have talent, because I'm talented. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> yeah, and then right. like, oh, that's your brother? <laughs> Good luck. And then they are reading. But you know, yeah, thanks for coming in. We know we're all the talent winner in this family. That'd be I different. I think it's a good thing that people have to ask, though, and I'll tell you why. It's because you get to walk in your own lane. You get what I'm saying? There's a lot of times where people are part of a certain family, and, oh, your dad was a quarterback in the NFL. He was a Hall of Famer. Of course you're going to be in the NFL, and I expect nothing less. But because some people have to ask that question, that means your talent is really doing the speaking for itself. You know? Take that. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's what's up. I mean, you know, and two, the, the two of us are 10 years apart, too. That's another thing people don't get. They were like, well, how come y'all brothers ain't in, you know, going to red carpets and this and that hanging out? I was the little brother. You know what I mean? Still ain't. Right. You know, can I go with you? No, get your own friends. Like, you know, <laughs> I got my thing going. I want to go. Stop wearing my clothes. Like, yeah, I was the little, you know, but, yeah. Oh, you so he was the, Damn, you sure? You can rap. Won't you do that? Like, <laughs> you know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And there was never no beef. It's just that we were our own men and we're both alpha males. So it's like, you know, when we're together, but, I kind of always revert to the little brother. Yeah, you know, no matter mm -hmm. what, forty-five and fifty-five, but still, it's like, hey, bro, hey, bro, like, you know what I'm saying? But absolutely, growing up, it was just, it was just a different thing. He was break dancing, I was rapping. Like it was, you know, two different eras in my, in, in my opinion. So let's talk so, about your rapping a little bit. Let's you know, So, so where did your passion come from? I know this is a question you probably get all the time, but you can't get around it. Everyone wants to know where did your passion for rap come from? Yeah. So it's interesting, uh, just like when people saw Baby Boy, when people hear me rap, they go, damn, I was shocked. And I and I don't take that as an insult. I totally mm -hmm. fucking get it. If you grow up watching me do Wild of Crazy Kids, Henry Cooper, Smart Guy, and then turn on Baby Boy, you go, what the fuck was that? Where did that <laughs> shit come from, right? Right. So if you know me as an actor, oh, acting ass nigga, da-da-da, and then hear me, hear me spit, you go, what the fuck? Rewind that shit. Did he just say, wait a minute. And I write the type of shit that you know I wrote the shit. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. There's no cussing. This is insider shit. So, you know, so I've always I've always been a fan of wordplay, um, of hip hop. Like the first, it's funny, the first song that I ever memorized was The Show by Dougie Fresh um, back in 80 something, you know, and I did it as, at a talent show. Mm -hmm. uh, but then as a, a, a young adult, the second song that I memorized was Far Side, right? So mm -hmm. far side, hieroglyphics, you know, and Busta Rhyme, Leaders of New, like that was that was the my era, my backpack rapping. So that's where that part comes from. Right. Spitting, um, I've always been able to speak clearly, right? So I remember listening to the Fushnikins back in the day. 
and they mm -hmm. had one rapper that had a line one of them one of the one of the pool sneakers had a line that i remember i read it i said it back and it was the thicker the richer the bigger the better the something the thicker right. the richer, the bigger the and i was like whoa and i ramped i rapped along with it and i realized then that there are certain words that are easier at least for me that are easier mm -hmm. to say after another so if i want to rap fast like i got a song called homage that's out when you hear it you like damn He's spitting so fast and shit. How do you do that? Well, it, right. it took a minute to write it all out, <laughs> but I used words that I know flow fast together. Like my hat goes off the twister. Seems like mm -hmm. you can like yeah. run that shit fast. I don't know how to do that. That's but amazing. Like how I choose roles. I choose roles I know I can slay. And they go, right. hey, a phenomenal actor. Yeah. But I'm <laughs> trial and error. You know what I mean? They talk, I talked shit about earlier about radio, but my hat comes all the way off to my brother in radio, man. Man, that was an incredible role. Bro, you incredible. think that's easy? Try it. Now people do stuff, you know, no, no you know. back to mentally challenged to, to, to learning disabled and, and you know, cast like that. So you gotta yeah. it's tricky and touchy. But I've tried it. Like mm -hmm. I auditioned for that and I and I left and they were like holding back laughter and it wasn't a comedy. You feel me? So I was like, mm -hmm. mm, I thought I could do anything, but right. I what my lane was. I learned what roles I could kill. I could learn I learned what roles my but I like to see in myself as well. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think strongly about, you know, people say, oh, there's certain things you have to do. Every black man puts on a dress and they emasculate them. Every da, da, da. I was like, no, they don't. I've never mm -hmm. seen Denzel in a dress. And I'm quite positive I never will. You know what right. I mean? I have a couple heroes in acting. I see another guy, Forrest Whitaker. I don't see anything that's going that route. You know what I mean? Right. Don't, know. don't feel like you have to do anything. That's just like the social part of it when they talk about, you know, females in the casting couch. Or, Guys getting OD, don't drop, blah, 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 blah. Don't feel like you have to do none of that shit. Let them call you this or that or the third. Go your ass home. You see them tomorrow, they tune the change. But it's the same right. thing with the music to long-windedly get back to your, your point. How I how passionate is one, you told, you said it. My father was Cuba Gooding of the main ingredient. He was a songwriter. He was a singer. He was passionate about it. My mother also was a singer. She was signed to the Sweethearts in Brunswick back in the day in the 70s, 60s, and met my father and then became his wife and raised his children but she got hell she, she still manages me today <laughs> she's still right me. <laughs> she's still check. uh because of this up here and her passion with entertaining and her smarts with knowing things that i come on now you're older and wiser yeah don't go right there. you gotta know you were entertainer it's different you know mm -hmm. every movement is a picture you know what I mean? You gotta you, you live long and laugh. You know you gotta act like this is your only shot. And, and you know, anyway, so so many things, jewels that she's giving me and my mm -hmm. father's giving me. As far as the music, it's all about the era. Right. Now I think if I was born in his era, I probably would have been singing around a trash can. I would have. You know what right. I mean? But my era was hip hop. It was rap. You know. You know that's so true. Huh? A lot of people. A lot of people don't understand how true that what you just said. There is an era for every thing, you know. You know, some people you can hear them today, and you'd be like, "Man, if you was in the '80s or the '90s, you were right, right. killing it right now." Right, right, bro. So yeah. yeah, so so with me, it was easy, man. You know, but I think the tricky part, as I put out music like in my forties, <laughs> people are like, "What took you song? What have you been waiting on?" I remember a brother told me something about ten years ago. He said, "Man, you were holding the West Coast back." I said, what the fuck does that mean? He's like, you've got all this music that you just never released. And I can't release it now because it's dated. You know what I'm saying? It's just like chronic or, or roller. Yeah, 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 weird old shit. And they're just like, nah, I can't release that song, but that's my joint, you know? Right. Um, Be like, we're just getting used to saying lit. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, exactly. So, 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 so now, you know, I, I you know, so what started it really when I really wanted to put out an album, because a lot of things, it's been a journey. You know, I've obviously, my bread and butter has been acting. So, uh, but I've always been rapping too. You know what I mean? I've always been rapping. It's just that it just I didn't have any hits. I signed gotcha. a deal to fucking three different labels. The last mm -hmm. one I signed to uh, was QD3 in the Sound Lab, Quincy Sons, um, Quincy Jones Sons label, right? And we had this big, we about to drop and all this. And my dad issued, uh, um, he worked it out. He was kind of managing me, my music side, and had this deal ready to go. Tupac gets killed, and mm -hmm. the label shuts down because he was supposedly going to marry. Uh, his sister and so forth and so on so they just went i was just kind of like damn and then it seemed to me like him dying and, and biggie dying also changed the culture too and i mean that's kind of a duh statement but it's yeah. like 
people were scared to be aggressive with their rap and so forth and so on. And you got the kind of the molly and the dancing and the slurred rap and the mumble and all that that kind of came because it kind of just went a different way. And I kind of was like, I want no part of that. But, right. you know, um, life happened. You know what I mean? But I've always been a fan of hip hop and, and acting and movies and stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm very passionate about putting something out. If I have something to add to the culture, I'm going to do it. I'm not just going to put out some bullshit. You know, I do something and they go, oh, wow, yeah, you spit. Why don't you do a rap about smart guy and, and, and say something about that? I said, no, nigga, no, no. You know what I mean? Yo, oh, you rap. Well, you should be, you know, I didn't hear any cursing in that. It should be a uh, Christian rap. Like, I was like, what the fuck? Listen. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, right. So, so now I just—it's kind of funny. It's kind of like my edge is 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 rapping about me, giving people. This is the other thing that I was trying to rambling about is that I first put music out under Big O. That's my nickname. People Big know o. Me, that know me. Yeah. They know me as Big O. So I released right. this whole album under Big O. People were like, "Where's your album? I can't find Omar Gooding anywhere." And I'm like, "Oh, you got to look under Big O." They put a Big <laughs> O. There's like twelve different Big O's in there, and it's like, "No, it's not the Mexican. No, it's not the Big Simone." Then I keep scrolling down right. at the bottom. I was like, "What the hell?" So. Right. I re-released the album and it's called The Excuse and you can get it on uh, iTunes. I mean, that's what's got homage and everything on there uh, mm -hmm. under Omar Gooding. And then I just released the album uh, <laughs> called, uh, I had to laugh because it was been such a labor of love these last two years with everything that everybody's been going through, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Stiley Ray presents uh, uh, Old Money Volume 1 starring Omar Gooding. So we play on a lot of that. But when you press play on this album, you will hear a lot of everything that I've just been talking about in it. Wow. Subtly and not so subtly. My brother is in it, and then <laughs> you know what I mean. Because I'm, I, I do the wordplay. I do. I feel like if it's not a contribution to hip hop, then I'm gonna just leave this shit alone. I'm gonna leave it in the drawer. Some cats mm -hmm. music just because they can. I don't believe in that. And I see pops looking down like you better do that thing. So I, I discovered auto tunes in a way that you ain't gotta sound like T Pain. All right. Okay. <laughs> not, 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 and again, don't knock the T Pain because I love that brother. And I met him. He's actually a cool dude, and he can really sing. So it's like, okay, you do what you do. But I didn't know yeah. that you could just make yourself sound good without having to be you know what I mean? so there's, there's See, a lot of people stuff. got t-pain twisted he can actually sound like that without the other tune yeah it, it makes yes. him sound better but yeah. he definitely that's like his voice yeah like he really does sound like, that. like oh it's my favorite song and they ain't got the auto tune on their mic and they just sing and you go oh damn no <laughs> nothing like it on the mic. Look, you put auto tune on your shit, that makes sure it's all for your live performances brother let me tell you that right it is kind of sad for, it is kind of sad a little bit with the auto tune only because some people cannot perform without it. Like imagine, you know, your stage presence, your stage performance, and you ain't got the auto-tune and you just it's just different. Bro, you know, I'm it's saying different. that goes back to what I was talking about my father and my mother, man. They they grew up in an era where where it was, you know, it's hard. I don't want to sound like them because it's kind of funny. Like when I when we were listening to Boys to Men and Joe to see and all that, my pops would be like, man, if you don't knock it off, the niggas all singing out their nose and da 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 and I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I don't even know what that meant. It took me a while to even get the. What do you mean singing out your nose? They ain't singing. But right. <laughs> they looked down upon our generation. And then I would rap, and my dad would go, damn, I fucks with that. Like, I like your rap. I don't know mm -hmm. about everybody else, but I like how you do it. I'm like, uh, how, do I, how do I bridge that gap? You know what I mean? There is talent in hip-hop, not only just saying something, but making it rhyme and actually mean something. That the, you know what I mean? There's a lot of nuances to that shit. Right. Um, and it was it was a passion for me so i was just like okay that was that era this is our era and then you know oh what about these youngsters and how they doing with the skinny jeans and the mumble rap and da, da, da. look there's still talent there they looked at us the same fucking way like mm -hmm. so my thing is trying to bring they talk about bring back hip-hop i remember you would go in the room back and like right around the tupac i keep talking about the tupac biggie era because it was something when you say i rap they'd be like oh shit there was a respect that came in any room when you oh you mean like tupac oh I love that is it. true you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. now you say I rap, it's just like, ah, shit. Everybody does and it. It's like, damn. So yeah. that's what youngsters is getting misconstrued when we talk about bringing hip-hop back. We just mm. want to make sure that it's up there when you say a genre of music or saying I'm a musician or I do mm. hip-hop, that people respect that. They don't just go, oh, you want them niggas running around with a chain and shooting and blah, 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 Molly and blah, blah, blah. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> we and and you just made a huge point, man, because a lot of people has definitely lost the respect for the craft. You know, it's been so dumbed down to the point where people just either like it or they don't. And, and there's no in between. Like, the creative level on that was amazing. You know, that creative process seems to have just gone to one minute, 
singles and we're out of here. Rewind a song and, and, and be like, what did he say there? Oh shit, you know, and decipher what oh wait a minute, that means oh what he meant, blah blah blah. You know, and it's dope. Niggas is creative now. The wordplay is coming back better. It's coming back to be like right. hey, ice, rewind that shit. You know, I respect the hell out of Eminem, but I think he just does a little too much because he's whatever's going on in his mind, he just throws everything in there. <laughs> so <clears throat> me and my right, nobody safe. Nobody safe. Oh, oh my God. But it's like, let me rewind it and then dissect everything. He put more content in one verse than the dude doing a whole album. It's so much shit he put yeah. in. I think it's to his detriment. Like it's, it's almost too much. That's why they don't put him on the rush. Right. That's the fact that he's white. Because he, it's it's kind of like, you. oh, you exploited this. All these alarms and messages coming in. My fault. Uh, oh, it's almost 8 o'clock. That's why. Uh, so, 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 so while I'm talking to you, I just want to go ahead and give you a compliment real quick, man. I took, a, um, so I took the time on my day to go ahead and watch that. The AM and and the, the radio, you know, and I gotta say, listen, the way you portrayed that role, the dialogue, mm -hmm. I can only imagine how difficult it was for you to remember all those lines. I mean, the whole movie was basically your line. Yeah. Like, how was yeah. that process for you, bro? I I my hats go off. My hat goes off to Bentley Kyle Evans. You don't know who Bentley Kyle Evans is. He is the writer producer of a series that we did called Family Time. We did 91 episodes of that. But he started mm -hmm. on Jamie Foxx. Then he did, he started, I'm sorry, started on Martin. Then he did Jamie mm -hmm. Foxx, you know what I mean? His EP. And then he came with a couple other shows. I uh, love that girls where we met. I did like a cameo there. And he's like, I got the script for uh, Family Time. And I did Family Time with him. And it was a heavy workload, bro. We would do 13 episodes in like a month. <laughs> wow. And we would do like 50, 60 pages a day when on film days. And it was it was nuts. Like it got to the point where I'd get mad so I'm like, what the fuck is this? I thought I just learned this scene. Yeah, well the other actress ain't ready, so now we're doing this scene. I was like, motherfucker. And I remember walking outside, mad as hell. And I'm going right. over the lines, going over the lines, doing it. It's like push-ups, bro. Just you, yeah. you, the more you do, the easier it becomes. And it was yeah. just such a heavy workload. Now the motherfucker throw a book at me and I'll be like, just give me a minute. You, so you condition your mind to get to that it's level, bro. I, it ain't it ain't the same as it was. Like it, yeah, it, I I always be like, well, how do you memorize those lines? I'd be like Bentley. Uh, whether he knew it or not, he was making me a bad moment when it comes to memorizing lines. Um, wow. that film, man. Um, to me too, it's it's when you can connect with something. Mm -hmm. It makes it almost easy. Like Baby Boy, like I said, once I was connected and all the way in, it was easy. You know what I mean? When I read. Even when family time, he read it and I was playing this dad that's a young dad who has these kids and this new generation that he doesn't quite understand. It, that shit was easy. Every day on set was easy, but the lines were good too. So I, you know, I was a writer on that too. So that made it easy for me. Mm -hmm. anyway, with AM Radio, when I got the script, shout out to Ricky Burchell. He sent me this script that he wrote for somebody. He wrote for another actor. Um, and I read it and I just said, oh shit, hell yes, let's do it. And right. like, got it. My team put it together. And we made, they made their offer. We countered. We got locked in. Everything was good pandemic hit everything shut down everything shut down my agents were like yo get ready to just you know hope you're just doing good with your money and your bitcoin and shit <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be i'll see you in a couple years right right it was more like a couple months and i called ricky i said so how's everything going you know and he's like man i'm sitting my hands like what's going on you know and i'm like well what's going on he's like oh don't talk to me like that. listen you <laughs> tell me how much you need you know what I mean? Let's cut out some middlemen here. Let's get right. a crew together. I know we're in the middle of this pandemic, but read the script. It's mm -hmm. you in the booth for most of it and just eating up these fucking lines and this and that, da da da. And the third, bro, let's get to work. And I'm like, let's do it. Right. So, you know, I came in on the producer end, which is great too, because I helped with the editing, which is like the, the best part of it all for me. Watching the first cut of the film to the final cut, well, after I put my input on it and going back and forth and sitting in the editing room, like that part was the best part of it for me. But, right. Uh, uh, when I read the script and and being in a you know quarantine out in Tennessee, I live in LA, but we flew out to Tennessee where he lived, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, at an Airbnb, and it's just me and some and a script, you feel me, for like a month. Like, you had to make it come to life. Oh man, and then the fucking George Floyd thing happened right there. I'm watching CNN mm -hmm. fucking crying and throwing shit around the room, like there was so much built up. <laughs> mm -hmm. So when we went to see yeah. action on the first, hey boy. After they said cut, the fucking crew was. <laughs> they was like, I ain't never seen no shit like that before. Then right. there's some hidden cue cards around here. How the fuck did you just spit all that shit out? And it was just loaded up and go, man. I would go the night before, 
And I would look at it, look at it, blah, 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 blah. I would read it a few times. I'd sit down, look at something else, mm-hmm. and just look at flip it over again, and then just say the words. And it was just file in, man. It was like a computer. And then I would just dump them and go to the next scene. But I felt like, this is dope. <laughs> like, that was the one time where I felt as an actor, like, this is dope, because I have to memorize these words. I have this all these feelings of uncertainty in the world, and my young kids at home, and I'm this far away, and... CN and fucking you know all that shit so i gotta hold this emotion in check until it's time Mm -hmm. versus the lines that needed either to come out in this way be it anger be it sadness whatever and he's dealing with mental health and fucking alcoholism and shit which is easier to relate to right (laughs) but you know and push through it and hit all these story points and whatnot it was a work it, it was definitely for me i was happy when i saw it all that it came out the way i saw it in my head a lot of times i'll do not a lot of times a few times i've done films and shows and they're like wow this is gonna be great and i watch it and go oh my god who is this editor on this <laughs> but right. it didn't come off the way even with music sometimes i'll write a lyric i'll write mm. a whole verse and then i'll go in there and spit it and be like play it back oh hell no uh, start over start over start over so you never know how it's gonna be until you hear it or how you until you see it but that mm. one it came across the right way i'm glad you enjoyed it and i'm glad the feedback and everybody that's been able to see now that it's everywhere now yeah to be uh, Amazon Prime. Every, there's no excuse to not see it. You can stream, no excuse. Stop watching this and stream it right Go now. Go check it out right now. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people thought it was an actual AM radio show. They're like, oh, so you on AM radio now, huh? You'll be playing <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I did a little bit when I first see? saw it. I saw it on your Instagram. Yeah. And when I saw it, I was like, oh. yeah. So I was like, okay, he, he got a little podcast going on or yeah. something like that. <laughs> That's why I saw Ricky. If you watch it, see what I told right. you. A film by Ricky Bichelle, a little bit bigger on that poster so they see oh film because it's like right. writing under under the title says oh film. Was, I'm like bro they looking on their phone now that was dope yeah. now as far as the, the actual story go i don't want to get into it because i want people to actually watch it yeah but it's let's talk about mental health a little bit how yes. that is important yes, and um what words of encouragement could you give to somebody that may have suicidal thoughts yeah, brother. Uh, it's a lot, too, because um, and it sounds like I'm shamelessly plugging everything, but everything kind of tied in together. I have a song uh, that I wrote right during the see. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was right when I was filming this uh, called You Are Not Alone. Mm-hmm. Right. That is on the soundtrack of the uh, the um, oh, the soundtrack. It's the number, I think, four on the album that I just dropped. Um, and it, basically, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and it was just one of those conversations that a lot of us had during 2020. Of, man, this is happening to me, and then this is happening to me, and it's like a snowball effect. And you mm-hmm. feel like it's just happening to you. Like this is an isolated fucking phenomenon. No, the world, the one thing about this pandemic that was crazy is the entire world was going through the same shit, the uncertainty of it all. What's mm-hmm. going to happen next? Will we get back to normalcy at all? You know, will my job come back to, will I still have a job? Will I still, do? is this money I have all I'm ever, is the world going to fall into case? Like all of that that's going on, and you know, right. people do with mental health and stuff, it's your you live in your head thinking that things are just happening, these personal attacks, bro. But mm-hmm. it's not just you, and you are not alone no matter where you are or what you're going through. You know, you think that you're doing something by yourself, but God got you. You know what I mean? It, it works in mysterious ways. So it's hard to hear people preach about, well, it's a higher power, this and that. But trust me, you can't yeah. if alone, it'd be a mess. It'd be <laughs> And we are not alone, bro. So, so absolutely. You know, sometimes you have to just speak. Some, you know, it's it's funny too because you know my mother's a Christian. My father, um, my father's parents was one was an atheist and one was a Christian converted to Muslim. So I would hear a lot of realistic realism type. Like I'm a realist, brother. This and that. But he, at the end of the day, he was Christian. My mother's Christian, and she was also second, mm-hmm. and then got saved right before I was born. So I've 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 heard it all and i've seen it all but i've seen god i've seen her pray things into existence i've seen miracles actually happen and that's right. just me right but people say oh you gotta pray you gotta pray you gotta pray there's a lot of benefits to speaking it out meditating in the way where you just kind of silence it all and if you can find a place where you're absolutely quiet you mm-hmm. you hear it and it may just be you figuring it out i don't know but there's something to that and right. the feeling of being alone, that's the devil working. Him thinking, making you think that you ain't got no other choice but to just 
uh, no other choice but the worst choice possible. Because there's only one final thing that you can do. That is the mistake. That is the plan Absolutely. of get you there. You feel me? So, yeah. you know, and it's crazy how even me, I've been to spots where I'm like, damn, this is messed up. How am I going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. And it's, you'd be surprised. Like, this, that's it. You know, yeah. they got guns. This is it. And it's then... Old. The next day, you're just like, wow, I thought it was over. I can't believe that I thought that there was no fucking way out. You know, or the Mm -hmm. photo ring. And you go, what? We did? Oh, my God. I thought it was a wrap. And now look at him. Won't he do it? Like, you know what I'm saying? God has your back. You know what I mean? It's just the hold on, never getting shit gets rough. But, you know, he'll never give you more than you can't handle, man. So, Ain't that the truth, though? He'll never give you more than you can't handle. Um, Just a little spill about me. I was on a ventilator for 12 days because I caught the C word. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And um, and that was before this whole podcast started. Wow. So I think it's funny how God works in mysterious ways because if it wasn't for me going down through that phase, catching the C word, I can't say it because Instagram be acting funny. And I end up on a ventilator for 12 days. Mm. Now I'm having to start from scratch. Long story short, mm. I wanted to continue to stay creative. And then that's when this podcast was born. Amen. And you know, I don't sit back and be like, I'm glad I got it, got got sick, and I'm glad I was on the ventilator. But I do take that moment, and and I'm aware that if it had not been for that situation, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So God has a amazing way when he when we say God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, he has an amazing way to get you moving in the right direction right. even when you don't see it they'll give it to you some people don't receive it and you know yeah. and, you know, like, you know it's the tragedies that happen in life but i feel you because i went through it too and I, I went through it for the the most recent time so i didn't even have the bad lung one i just had mm-hmm. the, that was so crazy that i was like so this is it huh? this this is it you know right. and the the you know you, you make your lord get me out of this and watch how i you know what i mean but it's like right. all the way back you do find like I got my purpose now. Things that are quite right. pandemic when it was just like you had to quarantine and stay mm-hmm. in place and you had to take those silent moments. You'd be like, man, if we make it out of this, I should do this, I should do that. A lot of the the relationship, the movie AM radio and the relationship I built with build with Ricky, mm-hmm. the things we've accomplished since then wouldn't have happened without that. It made you work harder. It made it you really a thousand think- percent. Thousand yeah. percent, man. And you know the the eyes opening and paying attention to things that we've seen and endured as a people for so long. And now everyone's like, oh, damn, that really happens? Yeah. Boy, yeah. None of that would have just been another story, another long line of list of stuff. But no, everybody was at home watching TV. So Absolutely. Now, look, I know you're a busy guy. You got other things to do. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you one final question. I ask yeah. everyone that comes on this podcast this question yeah. because it's King Legend Talks and we like to talk about legacy. So yeah. when people mention your name, mm-hmm. What is one thing that you want them to remember about you? Mm. One thing that I want them to remember about me. Um, <sighs> that's a tough one. I, I mean, I, I just, just that. I want to say that I keep it a hundred, but it's, it's, it's. Yeah, that's tough, man. I haven't been lost of words from a question in a long time. <laughs> yeah, that, that man. That I, that I stick to my, stick to my truths, man. You know, because my whole career, I've found my lane and stuck to it, you know, for my fans, for myself, for my family. And I want them at the end of the day to be like, yeah, uh uh-huh. I want to be listed with those few names that I've listed earlier that you, well, he never did that. Mm. He never compromised for that. You feel me? Uh, Right. Ever. (laughs) Stay true to self. Ever. Even if, well, you could have been, you know, a lot of shows that were out or movies, oh, man, you should have been on that. You could have did this. You would have did that. And it's like, that wasn't the time for that. I didn't have my first kid. I was 40 years old. There's a reason for that. I love uh-huh. No, no. I just knew that I wasn't ready. You feel me? And then when right. I was ready, bam, God let it happen. You feel me? Absolutely. And with the doors that are opening now, with the music and stuff like this, like, hey, I'm not going to go on a tour. And I know all these DJs say, oh, man, we can book you with it. I got kids. And I need to mm-hmm. meet. Now I've got to break the cycle with... Um, <laughs> Men that feel like they have to go out and get it and not they're not raising their kids. They're letting the mom or the nannies or the whatever raise the kid and not be there. And they right. don't have to be gone. My father had to be gone. He had to go get it. Right. When he had hit, 
Everybody plays a fool in 72. He mm. was number two. He was it from 72 to 76. I was born in 76. He went out to Africa during apartheid, which was a big no-no. When he came mm. back, he was blacklisted. The shows dried up. The record stopped spinning. All of that. He had to start over. By the wow. time he reinvented himself, his kids were stars. <laughs> you feel me? He right. had to start all the way over. It was just God's plan, man. So, mm -hmm. you know. And then I think that was a humbling he, experience as well. Yeah, you know, so he was gone on, you know what I mean? My brother and I, we have the luxury of choosing when we have to leave and go and so forth. You know, so we make a conscious effort to be like, oh, I'm, I'm raising my kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So, um, there you have it. Listen, everyone, I appreciate y'all for tapping in with us. This is the only radio show podcast where I can honestly say I enjoyed every single moment of this conversation I had with this brother right here. So I appreciate you for being here. I know you're very busy and uh, I want you to have a great rest of your year. And I'm at you're not more but the best. And I mean, you know, I did a little bit of shameless plugging, but you know, follow me here, follow me on um, uh, on TikTok too. I don't know if you're allowed to say that on IG Live, but uh, I'm over <laughs> on TikTok, Omar Miles Gooding. Um, you know, I got, I, have, I do have a new series I did want to talk about. We did run out of time though, but so I want to, I got to come back. I got to come back. So we start. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we start filming in Chicago in a couple of months. It's called Saturdays for Disney. Shout out Golden Brooks, Danielle Jalay, um, Jermaine uh, Harris, uh, Masai Martin. It, 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 Y'all going to love it. Black excellence, uh, the writing, everything. So people are sad when they hear that, that family time is done because we did 91 episodes of that. A lot of people are like, oh, man, family time. Why not? Trust me. Right. We got something sliding right in there. We took one of the writers, too. Hey, Stacey. Uh -oh. We do our thing. So it's, it's we sliding on them with that. And I got a couple more films that's coming out and some more music. So, you know, I don't go to sleep. I'm he working. He working. Seven days a week, y'all. Seven days a week. <laughs> well, I appreciate right. your time, my brother. Stay blessed. And I'll see you soon again. Absolutely, sir. I appreciate you. You can be a king and a legend, boy. That's a big one, huh? You ain't enough to just be a king. And you got the lion in the background, boy. You's a dangerous guy, man. <laughs> you are put through the fire. The only thing that kept me going was I knew it was going to happen. I believed it was going to happen. Oh, I now I'd print out that list and I'd keep it in my pocket for the next four months until one day the email that I got had my name at the top.